0: Yes, uh, I was saying fairly, of course it was, in 93 at Footy Park that uh, your man Tony Modra stood on. And he did it four years later against Mick Martin. Same goal square, same opposition. And that one was arguably even better, I reckon, '99. I just
2: spent the news break uh, watching Tony Modra highlights on YouTube and they're still as good as you think yeah. they were. Be-
0: better. He floated on block That's, that's
2: the other question I'm always interested in. So with milestone games and Mark Williams was big on this, used to compile like a, I don't know, three-minute highlight tape of the player whose milestone it was, and you get some people who were important to you speaking and, and congratulating you on it. If you could just condense a career into three minutes, who would have the best highlight oh. reel? In three? And, the, and this is a such a difficult question because you can have some players who didn't have massive careers, but... Didn't they have some great highlight? For a three-minute highlight reel, if you were showing an alien from outer space, who would have the best, and and, and you asked who would be the best footballer ever in three minutes, who would be your nomination? Well,
0: questions without notice, and you've given me some notice. So when we come to that segment, let's give our top three highlight reels. Top three for a three-minute highlight reel. Three-minute
2: highlight reel. That's
0: it. Yeah. All right. Uh, play golf for Peter Hudson at the Dunes. Terrible golfer, but greatest bloke ever. A lot of texts coming through. But Chris is in Essen. How are you, Chris? I'm good, guys. How are you? We're good. Good, Chris. Excellent. Uh, for me, you know, being a Sydney Swan supporter all my life, um, Paul Kelly, um, back when Sydney started to hit their straps and running out of the centre and busting through and kicking a goal from outside 50. That was always a, a huge highlight for me and a big memory. And and I do have one more, the late, great Ron Barassi, who took over from Sydney and created the culture that we have today at the club. I really do believe that he created that culture and Paul Roos and John Longmire took, took over from him and, and just built on that. So, yep. yeah, for me, it was a moment when he took over as coach and... I have just started to believe that we could achieve something as a club. Nicely done, Chris. Good nomination from you. Jim is in Doncaster. Jim, welcome.
1: Yeah, g'day guys. How are you going? We're good. I was just, I was just going to say uh, about Tony Modra, uh, um, I, th- I sometimes think he gets sold a bit short. You know, a lot of times mm. we have conversations about uh, about who's played the best thirty games, first thirty games ever, and everybody talks about Dacos, Nick Dacos, and, and Chris Judd, and they always say. 30 games ever. first 30 games ever played. Well, let me tell you about Tony Modra. In his first eight games, he kicked 21 goals. And in his next 23 games, he kicked 129.
0: <laughs> not it's bad. Fri- it's not, frightening, isn't not it? Not bad. Not bad. Good call, Jim. Thanks for taking the time <laughs> to pick up the phone. Sean in Rosebud, just before we move on here. But this is the other side of it, I suppose. And you get these people in all sorts of different moods. I remember Michael Jordan once saying, you know, he felt like he had to be Everything to everyone. Because if he was yeah. just down, you know, as we all are from time to time, he met some kid, he knew that that kid would take that memory of him for the rest exactly of his life.
2: Exactly right. Yeah. Um,
0: Sean and Rosebud ran into Bucks in a lift after a game at Docklands back in 07. We were 18. And the three of us were all Pies supporters. And, and we said, G'day, Bucks. Bucks looked at his phone. The doors closed. The lift went down a level, and Bucks walked out at the next stop. Icy stuff. <laughs>
2: what about Bucks posing with the? It was pretty intense. And we need we need a deep dive on on Bucks's. Bucks and tomorrow's. The... Oh, oh what you're is not going to be here. Bucks is next... holding an
0: M16 or something. What his was that? His social
2: media content recently of his trip. Was very
0: ramble worthy. My goodness me! We should have addressed that. He's today. gone to a gallery uh, or a range, and he's holding an M- I don't know what it is. What it about M16? the caption though? Yeah. he's, he's trying to be kind of cool. Felt cute. Might delete. Might delete later. later. <laughs> I'm a pretty basic bloke. Oh, boy. All right, we need to move on a bit because this man's no stranger to celebrity sightings, interviews. Heck, he's, uh, he's met so many of them. He is the most published living sports author in Australia. What a claim that is. But 87 books and counting. The most recent is on the shelves now, The Bull, Daring to Be Different. We've had him on before. We love having him on. He's an encyclopedia of sports knowledge, particularly cricket. Ken Peace, welcome to you. Ninety three kegs, okay. <laughs> <laughs> All ninety three kegs of him oh, is in the studio, it. Kane. And building, oh, nicely done. So uh, oh, it's hard to know where to start with you, Ken. You've been a busy man since you came in with Scuba and I last year, though. You've been, I've
1: been you've, cruising. You've been out in the seas. Yeah, we actually the Explorer is in at the station pier right now. We're going out again in a couple of weeks to New Zealand. And going to have a lot of fun telling all my sports stories, cricket and footy mainly. Uh, we uh, go to 60-year-olds, so I really get back into the 60s and 70s. A oh. little bit of Barry Robran and Polly Farmer, mm, and with like the cricket, it. even Don Bradman playing golf at Keonga. So we can get to that.
0: Love it.
2: So who are you starstruck by, Ken? Oh. That's been a topic for us this morning still.
1: Oh, no doubt, uh, Bradman. Uh, as a kid growing up, my dad gave me a, a Sykes cricket bat with a Don Bradman autograph. But people like Neil Harvey and Alan Davidson. But I've been living my dreams so for so long now, Kane, because I've been mm. meeting all these guys. Huddo, my all-time hero. I'd go to Glenferrie Oval <laughs> and watch him play. And uh, there was one day they were playing St Kilda, and it was a very close game, a second quarter, and. Uh, John Kennedy Hutto would never chase, no second efforts, and uh, John Kennedy sends a note out to the runner, Normie, go and tell Peter unless he chases, he's coming straight <laughs> off the ground. And the chairman of the selectors Jack McLeod said, uh, John, he's actually kicked five. Huzzy, Normie, tell him to do exactly what he wants to do. <laughs> <laughs> so I tell those sorts of stories, Kane.
2: Yeah. Uh, I love it because you dominate the the speaking tour. So what? So what about the great? speakers, public speakers, we've seen a lot. Who are some of your favourites that you've had the joy of working alongside of or listening to?
1: Guys like Mike Whitney and and Tangles himself but Whitney would do all the different voices. Uh he was amazing with all the and Bruce Yardley as well, unfortunately not with us any anymore. But um th- they would they would love these like Dean Jones was my yeah. maybe my my all-time favorite along with, with Warney. And uh, Jones was playing golf at Kuyonga uh, over your way, Kane, mm-hmm. and uh, with with Don Bradman. And he's strutting as as only your old man could strut, Kane. And and Dean's won the seventeenth and they've gone to the eighteenth with a short little dog leg left. I go to buy some big trees, a nice big eucalypt, all that sort of stuff. And Dean's got won the honour, and he's about to hit four iron. Then it's going to be the battle of the seven irons in. And Don Bradman uh, said to him just as he was about to swing, "You know, you know, Sonny, when I was your age, <laughs> he had this funny little squeaky voice. On. Yeah. When I was your age, I used to be able to drive that green." Gee, did you, Don? And so, Dean, he loved the challenge Dean Jones. So he got out the one wood and he swung like Tiger Woods and he's nailed it right out of the screws and it's going up. It's going up. It's going up. And just the top little branch of that big eucalypt hits it out of bounds. Don's hit his four iron and then a seven iron. Won the game. They've oh. shaken hands. And and of course, son, you know, when I was your age, that tree, it was only this <laughs> high. <laughs> I love it.
0: Oh, I love it, kid. That's awesome. Um, right. Well, we need to talk because since you were last in, uh, a lot has happened. Uh, we've got an upcoming series against the West Indies with a new opener. The man you've just written, in the book about David Warner has retired. He's catching choppers to BBL games now. But Steve Smith in his opener. I mean, Kane and I were talking about it earlier. It's given us a talking point. We felt that we needed.
1: I mean, are we right to be... So down on the West Indies, Ken, or are we being a bit harsh? Oh, gee, it's David V. Goliath. I've been trying desperately to talk them up. They've got a really good fast bowler in Alzari Joseph. Smith was talking about him this morning to Barrett. Uh, But really, they've they've got the depth of four or five good players, and the rest, they're not clubbies, but they're barely first-class players. And a couple of their newcomers, and they're going to pick three in this first test match come Wednesday, like, they're 29 and 30. They just haven't been discovered. But there's just so many of their best players, including Big Holder, the six-foot-six boy, who would have been on his third tour. He's chosen to play franchise cricket, T20 cricket. Yeah. And this, unfortunately, for some of the these good all round players, is just the way of the world. But it's severely weakening them. Pakistan were fantastic. Almost pinched a test match. But for some of the drop catchers, I just can't see the West Indies getting close. Especially, they haven't actually beaten us since 1996, 97. Here, There's there's
2: nothing you don't know about cricket. So I need to get your thoughts. And you you touched on players looking to play the shorter formats. How concerned should we be about the future of test cricket? Because everyone seems to have had their say on this. I want yours.
1: I think that the big three countries have to somehow subsidise some of the lower countries. uh, And we have to be able, like West Indies last year played three test matches. Pakistan played three or four, including the ones in Australia. They just have to play more test cricket, because once they do, as we saw with Pakistan, they can unearth a couple of young stars. The West Indies have got these young emerging players, but unless, if they're only really playing white ball cricket, they've got no chance. Mm. Somehow we have to lift their contracts and make it more agreeable for them. But. How can you turn your back, Kane, if you're uh, getting paid five Mm. times the Mm. amount and you've got a it's the same as the good footballers between, say, the age of 25 and 30. You've got a couple of good pay scales, a good opportunity, window of opportunity to make a lot of money. So the West Indies are choosing that and going to white ball cricket, unfortunately.
0: I want to ask you the Steve Smith question in a different way. Uh, He has been described as making a
1: selfless decision. Why did Steve Smith want to move from four to open the innings? It's a gamble, but of course, against the West Indies, this is the team to go in against. And one of those boys, Bancroft, Harris or Renshaw, who's a reserve, they would have loved the opportunity because they could have really teed off. Mm. As uh, you've been saying, I think Smith averages 150 against the Windies. But as a number three, he averages 67. It's number four, 61. So it's a gamble. But it just could reinvigorate his career. A little bit like Kawaja, who doesn't even open for Queensland. bat's the number four for Queensland, yet he plays really well for Australia. Um, it's good to see Green come back. He is the next best batsman. So Bailey has been saying, we're going to pick the best six batsmen. They are. Smith has put his hand up. They, they thought he was joking initially, but he's certainly good enough to play against the new ball.
0: Yeah, I just you just got me thinking, talking about best guest speakers. I went to a lunch. He doesn't do them anymore, unfortunately, I don't think. But Bill Laurie, he <laughs> delivered an awesome sports Did in his he? lunch. Yeah, yeah, great. Just happy to tip into the whole Tony Gregg stuff. Uh, the 12th Man stuff. He was just, I yeah. uh, took my old man. This is many years ago, but yeah. we talked about it for years afterwards, just how funny Bill Laurie was.
1: Yeah, Billy Birmingham Bill as well. Yeah. they fantastic. Yeah. 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 yeah, Billy
0: Birmingham doesn't do it anymore, no. though, does he? I don't think he's out on the scene as much.
1: He'd have, was he a crim and all yeah. this? <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, I'd love that. And Wazzy Mac Graham used to say, actually, funnily enough, that because he married an Australian lady, yeah. that he'd be walking the streets of St Kilda and people would be screaming out, was he a crimp? And he'd be like, <laughs> yeah, fist bumping him back. The other way, he'd love it. He said the Baggistad team at the time actually uh, loved the 12th man, but anyway, for what it was worth. So, um, Steve Smith opens the West Indies, obviously, the first test January 17 at the Adelaide Oval, and it means that Cam Green comes back into the side. Now, Kane and I have had many conversations around Cam Green. It's safe to say Kane's not uh, as in not, not in like not the fully rest of us. Basically, <laughs> I need, I need yeah. more. Yeah, him. Kane's not buying what people are selling.
1: Well, they played the Queenslanders before Christmas uh, uh, in in at the Gabba, and he got 96, so that's his only red ball game. But he's been a permanent reserve. He's been in and around the Australian side, a little bit like Michael Nisa. Did you see him back the other yeah. day? 60 off 30. Geez, they stayed here, didn't they? Absolutely <laughs> sensational. And you wonder why he's not in the side. Mm. Uh, so they've got good one-day cricket coming up, and maybe with Richardson being injured, unfortunately, for the Scorchers, He's also in the Australian One Day side, but Green, I think he is good enough, Kate, But he's a beautiful, Ooh. like he's like a David Warner, where we lose his first slipping. Green is unbelievable. He's like a Joel Garner in the gully, so almost worth an extra fieldsman. And he bowls at 140 K. Mm. so he's a seriously fine cricketer. I reckon that he's he's going to win you over by uh, in around about two weeks' time, <laughs> with a oh. with with back-to-back tests, Kane.
2: I need a, I need a bit more of a challenge though, so I don't think it's going to take two weeks. I need to see him overseas i need to see him do it for a, a little bit uh longer hey you've written 87 books you, you're amazing. an absolutely you're an expert now david warner you've this written is a book the ball looks magnificent the ball uh sensational now what's what's your advice when you sit down with an athlete because you have uh, helped athletes write their own autobiographies yeah. as well what do you tell them because we hear that david warner isn't necessarily going to address mm. the sandpaper story that we all want to read about
1: yeah, it's the only thing we want to read about it. Like oh, it was my chapter one, and we we were there at the time, and we were aghast, and. People are still so divided and so polarised. And Dave has never, as I've said to Sammy before off off air, he's never really apologised. Like Warnie would keep on putting his foot in it. He'd keep on getting set up by the call cool girls overseas, mm. and he'd say to Michael Parkinson, "Sorry, I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed, Michael. Australia, <laughs> I'm going to keep on making mistakes, but I am sorry." Apparently, more to that, don't they? They do. Yeah. They they do because he was so human, so genuine. You meet Shane Warren, he'd look you a big. Teddy Witten handshake. Look yeah. you in the eye, yeah. and you loved him forever. Yeah, and that was Shane Warner's not like that.
0: Mm, interesting. All right. Well, Ken's going to hang around for a bit. All ninety-three kegs of him uh, up until <laughs> eight thirty, um, as well, Kane. But we need to pause now for this man. Breakfast on SM. Celebrity sightings. Kane Corns, as uh, Ken Peace remains uh, with us uh, from footballers of yesteryear. Me and a mate did a tour of the Giants' training facility. A few years ago, we ran into mummy in a corridor. Hopefully not like Mitch Duncan ran into mummy. Couldn't believe how big he was. My mate asked for his autograph while I just stood there speechless. Couldn't say a word. So uh, keep those texts coming through. My family, my fairly new next-door neighbour, knowing I'm an Arden Cat fan, asked me to come over for a few minutes. When I got there, he had his good mate Gary Ablett Senior there. My chin um, hit the floor and Gary asked me to have a glass of red with him. Coming through with the text
2: hard on the top three highlight rules oh, of yeah. players got that. The, be- the best three minutes. Uh, Rioli, Ken, Rioli. Yeah. Yeah, Kenny, what do you think? He's def- so for you, what would it be if you condense a player's career into three minutes of their best stuff? Who's um, on top?
1: I'm a Hawthorne man, Kane. so Peter Knights used to take mark of the year every week, 1969-70 for the Hawks, but little Rioli, he's Dermot's favourite as well. In that 2008 grand final, uh, Hawthorne had no right to be able to, to, to win it. And he was just dynamic, along with the fat man's Chewy Jew. Mm, yeah, mm, <laughs> I reckon amazing.
0: Jeremy Howe would have to be in a conversation as well about oh, three-minute byline reels. Oh, God, He'd have, three? Yeah, he's I reckon he's just about in mine as well. But anyway, i He's
2: the greatest high flyer the game's ever seen.
0: Well, consistently. Jeremy,
2: consistently the greatest. Now, maybe not the best. Well, I don't know. I think he's the best high flyer we've seen. I know that's a big statement. And we've had some great ones. But I am
1: sure <laughs> The guy does it every <laughs> two weeks. Well, there's a fella in the 30s called Bob Pratt, and I asked Laurie Nash, who was just about the greatest player of all time, what was Bobby Pratt like, uh, LJ? And he said, I never saw him. He was always just fly. I would only see the, tops of <laughs> the bottoms of his footy boots. He was yeah. flying that high over the top of me. So, Bobby Pratt, he was only 5'10", but he could fly in the 30s. Absolute <laughs>
2: talent. What, what about for cricketers, Ken? Like, who aesthetically has the best highlights reel? who could condense their career into oh. three minutes?
1: Um, go to Mark Waugh's test match yeah. in Adelaide when he's hit three, one of his first balls. I think Robin Smith was at short leg. He was a mate of his from county cricket. He just said to him, before he faced the first ball, released the handbrake champ and hit the first three, uh straight down the ground at Adelaide Oval. He was fabulous to watch at his best, absolutely fabulous, aesthetic, like a, like a, a David Gower as a left-hander, but there, there was no one better. Like Barry Richards said to me one day, the great South African, if I knew that Steve Waugh was going to make 100, I'd keep on playing golf that day, but if I knew Mark Waugh was going to make 100, I'd cancel everything and just hightail it down there.
0: Hey, Ken, we're lucky to have your um, expertise, knowledge and understanding of history in the studio. So I reckon you're as well credentialed to answer this as anyone, because I think a lot of us think it and have done for many, many years. And it's going to, we're going to get nostalgic when the West Indies open up in this first test at the Adelaide Oval in a couple of days time, we see how poor they are. And we're going to remember names like Haynes and Greenwich and Mm. Logie and Dujon and Kirtley and Marshall and Richardson and the list goes on and on and on. Why is it? That the West Indies haven't been able to um, continue the good times. In fact, far from it, they've fallen off the cliff in the longest format. Are they still? You've been there many times. Are they playing cricket there? Are they playing basketball? Were they?
1: Is it the shorter format of the game? What is happening to West Indian cricket? Well, if you go to Barbados, you'll have a corner block uh, unmade. They'll still have a turf wicket on the corner block, and the kids will be playing there. They still love cricket. With they still a play. Absolutely, absolutely, they do. But just. You get five times the amount of money to go to a T20 franchise. And so we've got the T20 World Championship upcoming in the USA and the West Indies. And so that's going to really uh, catch the passion yet again. So the best cricketers are going to white ball cricket. They're just not playing red ball cricket much at all, unfortunately.
0: Right. And they've had success in that format, of course. So the money's just too good to refuse.
1: Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, right. Because as we discussed off here, like they're living in sheds. That's a third world country. They've got no money and the players will send money back to their parents so mm. they can move to a nicer area, these sorts of things.
2: i got a million questions for you. We're not going to have time to get through them all, but as I said, you've written 87 books. It's summer, people are lying at the beach or by the pool, yes. hopefully looking for a book to read. What is the one must-read sporting book? Not necessarily one that you've written, but one that you rate really highly that we must read.
1: Well, Andre Agassi is in town for the Open, and Mm. that is sensational, and I guarantee it. If you pick it up, you'll still be in the same spot three hours, four hours later reading it. It is the best sports book I've ever written. Andre Agassi. Yeah, his autobiography.
0: Yeah, that is a cracker. I'd yeah. concur with that, of course. Uh, absolutely. Uh, Ken, it's been awesome coming in, mate. Good <laughs> luck back on the seas when you get uh, back to those cruise ships out to New Zealand. You've got one more, I think you've got one more Don Bradman story you wanted to share. Oh, with us, good We've
1: got time. So good. Uh, Bradman, the royalty, and so every touring team wanted to meet the king, the king of cricket yeah. in Australia, and the West Indies are lineup. It's actually the day that Jones got 216, a big move, made 73, and he got pummeled by all the West Indian fastballs. Patrick, Patterson is playing, and Patrick is at the end of the line, and Bradman is shaking hands, being introduced to all the boys, uh, hey, said Patrick to Don, you only a little guy, I would have knocked your block off, well, you, you didn't do too well today, Patrick, he said, you couldn't even get Merv Hughes out, okay, okay, what are you averaging against me, Patrick Patterson, the fastest baller in the world, oh, you know, maybe 55, 56, <laughs> only 55 or 56, Well, I am 73 years old, you know. (laughs)
0: Like now. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Kenny, magnificent Davian, mate. Good to talk. My pleasure, mate. All the best. Let's do it again there. How good. Uh, Really good. Let's get (laughs) get into the newsroom. On the other side, uh, we'll have a bit more. Brian, sit tight in Chelsea Heights. We'll get to you in a moment.